Stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hi, and welcome back to Raising Joy. My name is Kristen Perch, and I'm joined by my beautiful co-host, Miss Winnie King. Hey. And today we are talking about one of my very favorite topics in the whole wide world, which is sleep. Ugh. <laughs> Yay. The thing you love, but don't get enough of. Yes. I think that this is a problem for many, many, many parents, many, many, many teenagers, and many, many kids. And I know it has- and many, a- many older people as they get older. Yes. All of us. We <laughs> don't get enough sleep. And so I'm really excited to get some tips on how to improve my sleep so I'm in the best state possible. Yes. And speaking of excitement, I'm excited for something else. If you love this podcast, and there are a lot of people who do because they tell me that all the time. (laughs) They do. I think they're, no, I think they're right. But if you love the podcast, we're going to be doing something that is a little unique. And we are going to have a live Raising Joy podcast. Um, it's a free event and it's on September the 29th at six o'clock. It's a Thursday evening. And it's going to be held downtown Cowtown at the Isis Theater in Fort Worth. I am so excited about this. I, I, I've never done anything like this before. Um, no one has seen the magic unless they're part of our team or yep. like um, one of our amazing guests. And yep. so I'm just excited. I am too. I to mean, see what and, happens. yeah. And we're going to record it and there are going to be people at all in the audience and we're having cocktails before. That's going to be great. And I'm just really thinking that this is going to be a great thing. Uh, Andrew Solomon is our guest for that evening. And doc, Dr. Sol- is it Dr. Solomon? I'm not sure. Okay. But anyway, he is a professor of clinical psychology at Columbia University. So I'm going to put a doctor in that just to to be sure. (laughs) If you're treating, if you're talking at Columbia, you're probably a doctor. I'm just going to, I'm going to guess. But not only that, but he is a a Pulitzer Prize finalist, a National Book Award winner, and he's a TED Talk presenter. So we really think he's going to be a wonderful addition to the podcast. And he talks about depression. Yes. And 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 what all comes with that. Yes. And, and also, um, I read his article in the New York Times about an experience that he had after um, a young person in their community um, completed suicide. And mm-hmm. so it was, I, I felt like he really understood all of the issues that go into why children are suffering and then also advocating for change that is needed. So I, I was really impressed by his understanding. So I'm excited to talk to him. So I want everybody to come out, think about it. Please come by. It is on Thursday, September 29th at six o'clock at the ISIS theater. Um, You can register. We would love for you to register. So we'll know how many uh, chickens to put in the pot. If you're going to (laughs) come, we'd love for you to register at cookchildrens.org slash joy. And this event is being presented by our partners at the Center for the for Children's Health, um, uh, led by Cook Children's, and they're part of our, our family, and we're so excited that they wanted to be a part of this. Yes, it's amazing. So good news, good stuff, everybody's happening. So as we talked a little bit about, we, kn- we all know sleep is important, 
And it's important not only because of your physical health, but honestly for your health and your mental health, all of that. If you don't get enough, you're cranky. If you get too much, you're sluggish. You know, it's just a it's a it's a real thing that we need to pay attention to. But if you're like me, um, it can be difficult to get enough sleep. Okay, so I'm tired. I go straight down. I am in the snore. Mm -hmm. I'm in the snore for two hours and then I wake and I can't go back to sleep. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about me, but (laughs) we're not going to talk about me. But that's that's my that's my problem. I can go down real quick. I don't have a problem going in and going to sleep. And I do wake myself up sometimes with the snore. But um uh, but then to stay asleep and, and literally I, you know, I may wake up at four o'clock and it's over. We're done. I went, you know, it's over. You're, you're, you're not going to get any more. So. And it's so frustrating because you is. just want to get some sleep. I don't, I know. But today we're going to talk to Dr. Hillary Pearson and she's a medical director for the sleep laboratory at Cook Children's. Yes. Welcome to Raising Joy. Thank you. I'm yeah. so excited to be here. You're going to tell us a lot. <laughs> <laughs> what is the sleep laboratory? People just laying around? <laughs> it does. It sounds like that yeah. or something scary yeah. where we are trying to do strange experiments on sleeping people or something. It is not that. And certainly most larger pediatric and grown-up medical centers have a sleep laboratory. Mm-hmm. And I think they just use the word laboratory because it's a specific place where a test is happening. Okay, got it. So that's really all it is. So we have a number of rooms where there's a bed for a child and a bed for a parent or a caregiver. Really? And they both stay overnight. Yes. Really? So we do the test, which is an outpatient test where we look at all sorts of physiologic things while you're sleeping to see if there's something wrong that we can then fix or address or it may just give us some information about what your sleep pattern is like uh-huh. sometimes. Uh-huh. But that's the sleep laboratory is the location where we do that test. So are things all connected to the head and, you know, lots of little wires coming out? That's my yes. that's my thought. Yes. I don't know. You and tell me. You are absolutely right. So part of a sleep study mm-hmm. is that there are the stickers with a wire that tabs. comes out yep. of it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there are six of those on your scalp. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. sort of in the front on your forehead, uh-huh. in the middle of your head and then back Back. by the back of your head. Okay. So we have those. And then there are stickers that are sort of larger, but similarly on other parts of your body. Okay. So some on your little face and Mm -hmm. some on your chest and one on each leg. And then there's the oxygen sensor around your finger. There's a stretchy belt around your chest, a stretchy belt around your tummy. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. So we really, we get the whole body. I was about to say, is that to tell, like, how, like, are you breathing more from your lungs or your belly? Yes. Okay. Those are part of the respiratory monitors that we use. Yes. And even some of the stickers on your legs to try to see if you move your legs too much while you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. Wow. Isn't this cool? Okay. Wow. (laughs) When he's like, I need one of these. Okay. Yeah, really. I need, to, I need to sign up. So are there people who are like behind the curtain and they're looking and 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 all of the little things are going off and you're seeing all the instruments? And are- Yes, absolutely. You know, what's funny is that I am one of the physicians that works in the sleep clinic, which uh-huh. is a daytime appointments person. You come mm-hmm. to see me. We talk about your sleep and I may order this sleep study. I may not, mm-hmm. but I may order this sleep study. So then some 
darling children sometimes ask, well, will you be there, Dr. Pearson, to hold my <laughs> hand? Well, I'd like to go home and sleep myself. But, <laughs> so there are people whose job it is to work the overnight shift, and they're called sleep technologists. Okay. And their job is to receive you in the sleep lab and place all the monitors on you and then watch the computers to make sure that it's recording appropriately. Wow. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if you need help with breathing overnight, they know to add oxygen or to add a CPAP machine or that really? sort of thing. So so they have special expertise in what a sleep study should look like and what breathing should look like and uh-huh. that sort of thing. Are there children who need CPAP? Mm-hmm. There are. Stop it. Yes. I thought that was Shout only for the old. to all of my young kids <laughs> wow. using their CPAPs every night. Mm-hmm. I love them. Yes. I did not know that. Sometimes you get a prize at my office if you're a good CPAP user because we all need rewards. Ugh. That is right. Well, Ann Winnie, here's a fun fact of how our fields overlap. ADHD symptoms can look like, I guess, sleep apnea and lack of like chronic sleep deprivation can look like ADHD. Gosh. Rarely. Yeah. But it can. It can. can. And I don't advocate for getting a sleep study for every kid diagnosed with ADHD. I don't think that that makes sense. But a, but a part a of certain our value- percentage, yeah, a certain percentage. I do think when you hear that they toss and turn a lot or that their sleep is not what we think it should be, I think a certain percentage of kids, absolutely, yeah. Fascinating, huh? Well, <laughs> we, we just got see, into this. I know. Do it's you like five minutes. <laughs> do you see why I love this? Topic? I know. I do. I, I think do. it's so great. I do. I do. Golly, so. Let me ask something very rudimental. I mean, why do we need sleep? That is a great question. And I do not believe that it is adequately answered yet. So the problem is, is that there isn't a scientific, experimental sort of way to look at that. I think there are too many parts of your body that benefit from sleep. Mm -hmm. So there are scientists that are certainly looking at it and sort of chipping away at why. Um, But I think it's anything from your body, meaning your muscles and your nerves and your tendons, needing rest. There needs to be a period where they're not being utilized as much as they are during the day when you're upright and walking and playing. I think there's that portion of things. I think there's your brain portion of things. Mm -hmm. So we know that during sleep, the liquid that bathes your brain and spinal cord, your Mm -hmm. cerebrospinal fluid, flushes around. So sort of like taking away all the metabolites of your brain from the day Mm -hmm. and flushing them to another area and replacing it with fresh, nice liquid to support your brain. So that happens during sleep. Mm. And then we also know that during REM sleep, your dreaming Mm. sleep, you, <laughs> she's like, see, it's down a joy. Oh wow, I don't Please. get there often, but yes, <laughs> REM sleep is so important for your brain processing. So whether it's processing the math lesson that you learned that day, this is how I do my addition and subtraction, that gets filed away into your file folder of addition, mm-hmm. or it's your memories and emotional. Um, events. Mm -hmm. So how do I really feel about when my mom tells me that I'm in trouble because I didn't behave? Mm. Or how do I really feel about hearing that grandma's sick and in the hospital? Mm. So those kinds of things, you need REM sleep in order to process and work it into the way your brain thinks about things and feels about how you go about your days. So it's everything. I mean, it's 
it's how hungry you are in the morning mm. and how much you eat during a day, whether you choose carbohydrate-laden meals or protein-laden meals. Mm. It's um, how tired you are in the afternoon. So do your ADHD symptoms ramp up because you're tired in the afternoon and so you're a little bit more impulsive and such. It just it impacts so many different parts of how we live our lives and the choices we make that I don't think we know the one answer for wow. what we need it for. Wow. Mm. It's amazing. It is. But, and it's also a third of her life. Well, yes. should yes. be, right? Should Theoretically. Be. Yeah. Yes. No, it's and not a third of mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It is not. But, you know, so it's, it's so important because it consolidates all of those really important things. Um, what do you see happen, happening like mood and behavior rise whenever kiddos are not getting the quality sleep or the amount of sleep that they need? So what's interesting is that most of the studies that I try to read are done on kids that don't have any psychiatric diagnoses. So the ones without mood disorders, even without ADHD, just regular, healthy, old children running around. And even they are shown to have more trouble retrieving facts. Mm. So on a test, you are less likely to know an answer or be able to replicate a problem mm -hmm. and more likely to seem anxious. So be more nervous or be more tentative. You also, even after one or two nights of sleep deprivation, do more social isolation mm. and others that look at you are more likely to say, well, that person is a downer. So other people around you who haven't even had bad sleep are more likely to think things about you if you haven't had enough sleep. Wow. So there are some very interesting things that even without having a medical problem, not getting enough sleep can impact you in big ways, even just from one bad night. Yes. That's cool. amazing. Wow. It is. How much, how much sleep do we need? Mm -hmm. I get this from parents like, well, yes. Johnny's getting seven hours. Is that good enough? So like, and how does that change across across time? This, yes, across life. So I think it's easiest to go sort of backwards. So adults are supposed to have eight to eight and a half hours a night. <laughs> oh, believe me, I know, I know. We're just gonna end the episode with Winnie going to sleep. I know. <laughs> time well it would, spent. It would be a win. Yes. Gosh, Isn't I don't even funny? know what that would feel like. Right. Where I really slept from, you know. Right. Moment to eight hours. Yes, you're saying not for lack of trying, that yeah. you dedicate yeah. that much time and yeah. that it just doesn't happen. No. Right. Yeah, right. So that that's the hard part, I think, is that even if you are able to dedicate the time, which I think as an adult can sometimes be the problem, then not everybody can get it. So yeah. there's that to start with. Sure. And then teenagers. So like our 13 to 18 year olds should get nine hours and 20 minutes of sleep a night. And Ooh. this is probably my number one discussion. If you counted up the sentences I said all day, <laughs> that's probably my number one. Because I feel like they are the ones that are missing out. They're oh, the yes. ones that aren't getting that. And they're the ones that need it the most. I would even argue they need that nine hours and 20 minutes more than some of our elementary school kids yeah. do. But there are teenagers who you're like, every time I see that child, she's laying down. You know, every sure. time I see them, they're asleep or, you know, on the weekend, they go in the room and then it's, it's you know, cave city, and you know, <laughs> and they're hibernating and mm -hmm. they're asleep. And you're like, are you tired? What's the problem? So you're yeah. saying they really do need that. Well, I think that's a twofold thing. Yes, they need it because they do need more. But I think what you're also expressing is that the same hormones that send you through puberty 
which is right in that time. Okay. Also make you want to go to sleep between midnight and two and sleep in until right. 10 to noon or whatever uh-huh. it is. Exactly. That's the problem. So you go over at a reasonable hour to somebody's house mm-hmm. at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. for brunch mm-hmm. and they are just getting into their good sleep or something right. like that. So I think part of the problem is we're, we see it more because we're awake and mm-hmm. thinking that they should be up and at them, yeah. you know, and they're, not. and they're not. Yeah. And I know our schools have, a, they struggle. We struggle with this with schools. We struggle because mm-hmm. we need these kids in school at seven o'clock. Okay, really? 740 was my start time in high school. And there are some around her that are still early like that. Wow. 740. I know. Okay. And for a teenager, you just, you can't, you can't get it. No, and in fact, there's a there's a movement that's made up of lots of you know lobbying folks mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and some parents and some sleep doctors. It's just so hard because I don't think the schools have a good answer for it. Yeah. But we do need schools to start later, especially in high school. There's a huge decrease in car crashes if you do that. Well, wow. huge decrease in morning car crashes in the morning, and better test scores, better standardized test scores for people whose high schools start like around nine. Okay. That's amazing. That's all it takes. I know. But I was on a panel years ago and the problems were things like, well, that's not how the bus schedule works. Well, we don't have bus drivers at that time. I was like, oh, goodness. We can't fix that. You're like, we can do it. We can. Sure. We We did a whole lot of things during COVID. I mean, we did things we never would have ever thought about doing. Overnight, we changed them. Yes, Yes, we did. From Tuesday to Wednesday. And everything got done. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, and there are some places, I think, where the researchers are, which is great. Dr. Amy Wolfson, who's at the University of Massachusetts Mm -hmm. in Worcester. Like right around there, of course, nobody would dare start school before 9 (laughs) a.m. She's like, Dr. Wolfson, I'll get (laughs) you. No, I love that. I yeah, love that. I yeah. think they're lucky up there. Yeah. Wow. That's wow. amazing. Does sleep, is sleep different? Like whenever our like middle school and elementary school kiddos? It's a little bit different just in the way we classify it. So when you are a toddler and elementary school age kid, you have about 30% stage three non-REM sleep. So that's a huge percentage of time. You, they fall asleep and they just tumble right into this stage three sleep and they have a big, long, nice stretch of it. And that's when you sleepwalk. That's when you're really down out. in it. I yes. was going to say, that sounds yes. glorious. Like that's, your, that's your restorative yeah, sleep. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, <laughs> so many people think. Okay. That, so you go, when you get to be an adult, like that slowly decreases, decreases, decreases. Mm-hmm. Until adulthood, we get like 3%. Yeah. 5% on a good night. <laughs> I know. So there are lots of thoughts that if we could increase that somehow, is that the fountain of youth? Would I have no wrinkles, no grays here? <laughs> Let's find out. Yeah, and all no. of that. Would yeah. I feel like a million dollars every morning? And, yeah. you know, so there's that big question is how can we influence that or yeah. that kind of thing. But that makes me think about what Michael Jackson did. Right. You know, with the propofol. Propofol, And he yes. really wanted to go to sleep and he really wanted to go deep. I, I'm, I'm yeah. assuming that's what it was. I think. And I think he just had bad medical advice, of course, at yes. every turn. Yes. But if he was a person with anxiety, which, you know, it sort of seems like at times in his life, he was a worrier. Uh-huh. If he had anxiety and then had insomnia on top of that, it could be that he was just asking the wrong people because mm-hmm. Everyone knows that anesthesia is not sleep. No. When you put me out for a surgery, I don't no. wake up feeling rested. No. I wake up feeling awful. Yeah. So I just think he sort of, yeah, he asked he, the wrong folks. Yeah, he got wrong advice. But but the thought is, I want to go deep. I want to go, do? I yes. really want to yes. go deep. And Yeah. Okay. Well, and that's, yeah, I'm sure that the 
sleeping pill manufacturers would love to find that. I, there, you know, there are people looking for those answers. I don't know if we'll okay. ever get there, but are they bad? Sleeping pills? Are they bad? So no, and certainly there aren't any approved for children. So okay. under the age of eighteen, okay. well, there are none that. approved. Okay. But okay. older than eighteen, there are some that help with that. And it's just that none of them are the greatest. They yeah. all come with side effects, and some yeah. of them can be dangerous. Yep. And I don't think they really fix. They don't give you a full great night of sleep in all of the ways that a sleep doctor would say. Yeah, and I have woken up from uh, you know sleeping with having taken them and then I feel like I've just drank so much. Yes. You know, like sluggish. you're just you're sluggish and it's just I'm yes. oh I'm hung. I mean yeah. it's just golly, yeah. this is horrible. I won't do that again. Right. I think it's so hard to have a medicine that's just the right dosage that makes you sleep hard mm -hmm. but then is out when I want to get up. Yeah. You know yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the problem. problem. Well one more question about the laboratory because you you mentioned that you have the kids and the parents? Are you measuring parents too? Or are you just letting them be there? We with don't, the kids? just because okay. when you're under 18, you want we like you there. to be there. Okay, and and kids are much less. I think if you had them come without, I think they'd be much more frightened. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Got it. I, yeah. I, I was thinking, well, you know, these parents aren't getting, they're not getting sleep either. Oh, so maybe we need to night. put some, maybe we need to put some <laughs> tabs on their heads. <laughs> well, know? my sweet sleep technologist will sometimes give a little hint. You know, your snoring was quite something last night. <laughs> <laughs> I know they're kind. I try to tell them you just have to be kind if you feel really oh. called to tell someone that. Oh, mother, I you know. did snore. Yes, that we is, heard yes, it. Oh, that's the most embarrassing. Yes, does, the it, most. does it come with like a little handout about adult uh, we sleep should. medicine? It's docs. Like a referral <laughs> to these nice docs in Fort Worth, right? Yeah, it could help everything, right? It could wow. help their ability oh. with their kiddos, right? Impulsivity, absolutely. Now, we talked a little bit about, you know, drugs. What is, what's your thought about melatonin? So melatonin is something that your brain makes. So certainly I think a lot of the reason that we're all comfortable with it and that it's in the grocery stores mm -hmm. is that we feel like it's a safe thing for your brain to have because your brain As makes it. it on its own. Mm -hmm. And part of the problem is that certainly if your brain doesn't make it at the right time, then it's harder to go to sleep. It is one of the things that lets your brain know that it's time to go to bed or go to sleep. Mm -hmm. So it's mostly a thought to be a chemical that works on the clock in your brain. So sort of helps your brain know this is getting to be nighttime. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you can find. I think the negative things about it would be that the dosage range is so wide these days mm. that you can be confused as to what sort of milligram dosage you should take. And I'm not always sure in the combination products that all the other things that they add are, are necessary really or helpful mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all that sort of thing. Yeah. And there's some controversy. It's always kind of been mentioned that many companies are not good about purifying and really knowing how many milligrams mm -hmm. are in your pill. Yeah. So they told you it's a three milligram tablet and really you're getting seven and a half or something. You know, mm -hmm. I just don't know that they're necessarily super well made mm -hmm. because they're not monitored by the FDA. And they're not regulated, Callie. Right. Okay, gosh. Okay. And is there any downside? Like any, any, like, can you take too much melatonin or could you give, I guess, your kid too much melatonin or could like any negative side effects that you guys know about? So melatonin? some patients notice more scary dreams with mm -hmm. melatonin. And so I certainly, yes. <laughs> so if you're taking too many milligrams, I think you're more likely to have the scary dreams with it. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, it's it's scary. I also just think they're very vivid. So mm-hmm. dreams are normally sort of weird. Mm-hmm. And I think kids worry that they are not normal if they have a weird dream. No, that's that's how your brain works. Mm-hmm. I'm happy or sad to say. But I think it can make you remember it more or it seems more vivid or there's something that melatonin does to interact with how your brain dreams. So I think that part can be scary and seems to happen more when you have a higher milligram dosage. Mm, mm, mm. There, There is a danger if you take really high dosages like 20 milligrams a night for months on end. Mm-hmm. That can interfere, interfere with some of your endocrine pathways. Okay. So that's a negative. Yeah. That could be really bad, especially in a developing kiddo. Yes. Like that could be really, really scary. For oh, sure. Oh my gosh. I, and I'm thinking about vivid dreams. And, and one of the things I do is when I'm having that scary dream, I know I have to wake up. Mm-hmm. I know I have to wake up. I'm not getting to the end of this dream. No, we're not. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> not you have that sort it. of split thing yeah. where you know it's a dream. Yeah. You know you can try to get out of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I'm yeah. not, I'm not gonna visit the end of this story. We're yeah. not gonna see it. So if I had the melatonin and I had too much, I may not be able to pull myself out. That would not be good. Yeah. Cause I'm scary. <laughs> I am scary. Well, so that's the problem with nightmares, really, is mm. that then when you wake up. At either the end of it or you're able to wake yourself up out of it, you're so activated. Your heart's Sweating. pounding, your brain's you. yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that phenomenon of you might return to the dream if you go back to sleep. I yeah. think that's the yeah. fear and yeah. can sometimes happen. Yeah. yeah. So, there, yeah, nightmares are a real drag. Yeah, that's, a, that's, a, mm-hmm. that's a thing. You know, the people chasing you with a knife and, you know. I can't get out the house. Right. That's no good. That is right. very scary. Yeah. I have the slow walk. Like I can't move my body sort of thing where you're like, I want to get away. I'm trying to run, but you're just, you're laden with weights or whatever your problem is. Yeah. Okay. That's bad. But I can breathe underwater. Uh-huh. In your dreams? Oh, you better believe it. So Ta-da. there's that. That seems wow. really, like a, that seems kind of like a cool, cool, as I'll say, that seems like a cool dream. So what's funny about it is, oh yeah, that's not a nightmare. No, it's, um, and it's very rationalized in my brain. I have to breathe slowly because I'm extracting the oxygen, you see. But if I do it, if I'm, uh-huh. then uh-huh. I can, yeah. So oh, there's I method have... to this madness. Okay. <laughs> oh, it is madness. Yes. I yes. love that though. Wish... That is so fun. <laughs> Don't you fun. wish you could like trick yourself into dreams? Yes. Or like set yourself up to have an underwater dream. Cause yes. I really enjoy them. Yeah. I know yes. that. I know for, um, like veterans that have had, that have PTSD dreams, mm-hmm. like, and so they're re-experiencing everything that they did. Um, something that they found that worked is rewriting the story. So they have yes. the soldiers go and they rewrite the rewrite the dream as it like it's a recurring nightmare, something mm-hmm. they experience. They write it down. And then whenever it starts to get s- scary, they change it to something either happy or silly. OK. And so I've done that. I've told patients that do that, that have like the same recurring dream um, and they've tried it. I don't. I haven't ever had a report back yes. if it was good it, or bad. It, but it's used all the time at the VA and they call it guided imagery. Hmm. And so you can also sort of tailor it to whatever people are into. So if they are story writers, if they're songwriters, if they're artists like drawing things or sculptors, yes, you have them draw the picture of the dream or the scariest time mm-hmm. or do an artwork piece that 
that goes with the scary imagery, and then you have them change it. And the whole idea is that your brain is sort of on this train track that right. it can't right. figure out a way to change the outcome or the dream. And if you help it, if you yeah. help your brain yeah. see a different ending or see a different pathway to that, that you can you can train yourself into changing the dream. Yes, I love wow. it too. Isn't wow. that, it's just That's our brains cool. are so cool. They that are cool. cool. And kids do a great job with that. I, I actually always, I've not worked with veterans enough to know, you know, if they're more resistant to it or not, but kids are, they think it's great. They yes. do it when they go home. They're, yes. they're all over it. So they're like, it's fabulous. I had a dream that the clown was chasing me and I'm <laughs> yeah. like, and they're like, I'm going to change it to my dog. My dog is chasing me. There We're going to go, go get a snow cone. I mean, like yes. they, yes, they take it to the yeah. silly the imagination. Fun. Right. Oh, and yeah. it, it's really like, that's that. a lot of fun. I yeah. love that. So how does sleep improve a child's health? So I think this is kind of like the how does sleep help us sort of question. Mm -hmm. I think what we really would notice in a kid is, are things like they're able to regulate their own emotions. Mm. So they're much less likely to be the kid yelling out, you know, a mm -hmm. negative outburst in class, mm -hmm. or they're much more likely to be patient and helpful with somebody with special needs in their classroom, or they're much more likely to be ready to show you what they cognitively do understand and know because they have good brain recall. Mm -hmm. So it's all the things that we know help your sleep. And I think all together, it's kind of like thinking, well, this is the best uh, Robert that my Robert can be yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah. it, you know, Robert may not be good at math, but he's able to show you that appropriate line his test instead of doodling in the corner and not mm -hmm. even mm -hmm. attempting the problems. Wow. Or and interaction wise, I think paying attention and being kind to the teacher is a little bit more likely when you're well rested. Um, you're more likely to have energy to run and play, mm. which probably means that you'll have more friends because kids will know that you're fun and willing to play with them okay. uh, and better for your body wow. and all that sort of thing. So I think it's more of a um, showing us who you really are rather than the anxious Cranky, um, cranky, <laughs> yeah. impatient, mm -hmm. impulsive kid mm -hmm. that you might be if you're not as well rested. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. I mean, it's 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 awesome that we can help support kids be their best self because sleep is so foundational. Yes, it, it is. Like it is. If I'm a parent, how do I know it's time to go to find out if this is a problem? That is a great question. Certainly other physicians may be the ones to Let's tell you, because okay. I think a lot of, I mean, we're lucky at Cook Children's, a lot of the doctors that I work with or next to are very in tune with sleep. So certainly the psychiatrists are all in tune with that. Mm -hmm. Our neurologists are very good at mm. knowing, oh, you, you say your legs bug you at night, even just something simple like that. They will say, oh, well, what do you mean by that? Uh -huh. Because that can be a sleep related movement disorder. So they could send somebody to see me for those kinds of problems. Mm. Um, the endocrinologist sometimes, depending on how your body is growing, might send you. So I think there are a lot of, certainly from your physicians, the pediatricians, of course, are fabulous with that. They're very in tune yeah. with all yeah. of the regular right. growing, developing sorts of issues um, and then if you're a parent, I think, I think there are a couple of things that tip you off and even some of the behavioral things. Mm -hmm. So if you say, my kid is terrible about going to sleep at night, I can't, mm -hmm. we fight for an hour before mm -hmm. I'll even get him in the hallway to go near his bedroom, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. We can help with that at the sleep clinic. Mm -hmm. So there are even those sorts of things, but certainly snorers, people that sleepwalk all the time, um, 
things that are happening in bed that shouldn't be, all those sorts of things. I yeah, think yeah. it's worth asking your pediatrician at least. Okay. I also get worried about the kiddos that fall asleep or do you, do you worry about the kiddos that fall asleep when they're driving? Oh, for sure. Ooh. And Ooh. I think, I mean, that, not, sorry, 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 sorry. While they're riding. Okay. They're please don't. Driving. Please yes. don't. Okay. If, yes. Well, if your teenager sure falls driving. asleep while driving, like end it. Like, yeah, yeah. We, nope. we got to stop right here. <laughs> That's this a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. But yes, fall asleep in the car. Mm. I, I always ask that because I think now, it's certainly not every kid, but I think nine times out of 10, kids should be curious. Mm-hmm. And even if it's after school, the road that they've driven their whole seven years of life, I still feel like those little guys are usually looking around. Mm-hmm. What's going on? Mm-hmm. Who's walking around? Yeah. yeah. What's everybody doing? Yeah. So I feel like that should be what you're up to even after school, which kids are tired after school and they might have a little bit of brain drain or be staring or something. But I still think they should be awake and, you know talking to their parents or asking what's going on and not exhausted mm-hmm. right during that during that right. drive well we would be remiss if we didn't ask you about electronics because seriously i know i mean honest <laughs> to goodness know. that that Whew. that we're it's done something, with it right yeah. well and i feel like this is the this is the television of our age so when i was young it was if you watch too much tv you won't be as smart and you won't be able to sleep and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it's just now that we have more choices. I think the kids have their video game apparatus. They've got their screens that they're watching YouTube videos on and they're listening to their musics and podcasts and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the issue is you just have to boil it down to the fact that there is a time for those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be right up to bedtime mm-hmm. because most of those things are activating and make your brain think and fire off. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So you have to give yourself time to calm into okay. your sleep time. Okay. And, and there is the little side factor of the light from these screens going into your mm-hmm. eyes and telling your brain mm-hmm. that it's still daytime. So mm. it's, it's the old Las Vegas <laughs> casino trick. Mm. If it's still light and bright, then your brain thinks it's daytime. So wow. you have to make sure that you remove those kinds of lights and screens at an appropriate time and make sure that you're helping your kid get ready to go down to go to sleep instead of playing a super active video game <laughs> five minutes yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because they're, they're made to be. It, not addicting is not the right word. They're made engaging to, yes, to make it, you engage. Yes. Keep, keep to get a response mm-hmm. from you, whether yes. it's pushing your mm-hmm. thumb button or mm-hmm. even, you know, vocal outbursts. Yeah. They want you to keep mm-hmm. watching and respond to what's on the screen. And keep scrolling. Yes. And I mean, it's, I mean, they're, it's made for that. It so it's really hard to get your brain into like a sleep relaxed state. If that's what you've been doing for the previous 15 minutes. Even. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. When should you turn off electronics like TV, um, cell phones, all those sorts of things? Like- so I tell people an hour and I'm probably on the wimpy side. I think some of the other sleep researchers would say two hours. And I think okay. some sleep sensitive kids, it, it does take them two hours to really calm and get ready for that sort of thing. An hour is probably what I think is Okay. Realistic. More realistic. Yeah. And nothing it's wrong hard. with reading. No, but then you get asked, well, so a, an electronic reader. Yeah, well, you, you don't want to do that. Let's get a well, book. Well, that's what's hard. Right. Let's a get a book. book. Or some of those readers, you can turn off the blue light. Yeah, you can. And so maybe you that's can. okay. It, it's just hard because I think we're getting into this age where even the books are sort of electronic. And so yeah, then yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. hard. It yeah, is hard. hard. And then my, my patients will be like, but that's so boring. I'm like, 
That's yes. the point. <laughs> yes. You're yeah. supposed to get bored enough just to go to sleep. I know. And I, they and hate I, me for it. Yes. I really do. Me too. <laughs> That's the best time to read the Bible. <laughs> See? Not for that me, it's boring, but. It, for me, uh, it's watching golf. <gasps> oh, that's funny. Ooh. Okay. Like that, if if I, if there's golf oh, yeah, on that, a, That's paint drying. Yes. I'm watching if it. I am out. Yeah. Like I'm just out. Yeah. It's done. Mm -hmm. You don't have to do it. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Well, this has been fascinating. Isn't it fun? Dr. Pearson, <laughs> do you have a sleep routine at night? I do. Okay. Tell I do. Us and routine. you know what's funny is I, I really do get eight hours of sleep at night. I know everybody at the medical center is like, well, she probably doesn't get it even though she talks. No, I am pretty good now. And I will also say during the pandemic, I had a little shift. I went to bed much later than usual. Okay. <laughs> But we weren't really getting up on time either. Yeah. So I, I don't know why that happened. I think everybody sort of reports some sleep shifts during pandemic mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. But I do. I I tend to watch sports on TV in the evening. Okay. And so then when it's time, that gets turned off and I go upstairs because my bedroom is away from where my TV is. So mm -hmm. it's sort of a mental and physical move away from the screen. Mm -hmm. Love it. And then get ready. And I read in bed. I'm a reader before bed. So okay. And you don't have a TV in your room. No. I mean, she knows. I know. I'm tense about it. So in hotels, I'm always like, oh, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we don't at home. Yeah. Wow. I'm good about that. I know. I've always had one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be too hard for me to turn it off because I see the... I see the enticement there. You're just watching a show. It's just 30 more minutes. It's no big deal. And and then all of a sudden, you've really cut into your time of sleep overnight. So wow. it's too hard for me to get up otherwise. Well, I will say your eight hours, I think it is like replenishing like your energy, your mood, your youthful appearance. Oh, I know our you. listeners can't hear it, but yeah, I think yeah. she found it. Yeah. yeah. We got to get more sleep, Winnie. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, 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 so much for coming to talk to us of today. Of course. Thank and you for having me. I'm going to get a full eight hours tonight. That's my goal. Good girl. Yeah, whatever. I love it. Okay, we're going to try. And to our listeners, thank you so much for your support. Please rate and review and subscribe to Raising Joy Podcast. And do not forget about the live event that we're going to be having on Thursday, September 29th at 6 o'clock. And it is going to be at the Isis Theater in Fort Worth. And listen next week when we talk to Dr. Daniel Guzman, emergency room physician at Cook, about gun safety and kids. Until next time, just breathe. Open up. You, you matter. matter.